Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. Hi, this is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Conversation of the Week. Today, I'll be chatting with Alexander Technique teacher and teacher trainer Lori Schiff, who has been teaching Alexander Technique at Juilliard for almost 30 years and was in residence at the Aspen Music Festival for over two decades. In this week's conversation, you'll hear how Lori went from being a trumpet player to Alexander Technique teacher and learn what Alexander Technique is all about as she dispels some myths describes a few ways to integrate Alexander Technique principles into your daily life, both on stage and off, and I discover that Alexander Technique actually has much more of a mental component than I realized. So what I think is cool about your story is that you were a trumpet player like for a long, long time, uh, like growing up, and then you went to Northwestern, you went to Manhattan School, and, and then you got into Alexander Technique. So I'm, I'm curious about how that happened as in like, were there injury or pain-related issues that you ran into that kind of got you there? Was it just kind of feeling like you reached a plateau and, like, you're looking for other things to try to do to enhance your playing, and that led to this? Excellent. Excellent question and framing. Uh, yeah, so the story is that I grew up wanting to be a trumpet player and playing, and I did go to Northwestern for undergraduate and then studied with a guy called Vince Chikowitz. And then later went on to Manhattan School of Music, where I studied with Phil Smith. And um, while I was in undergraduate school, there was an Alexander Technique class in the music school. It was given by a guy called John Hennis, who also, by uh, uh, just sort of happy accident, was a trumpet player as well. Um, And he is still there teaching at Northwestern, Alexander Technique. He gave a demonstration to the School of Music of kind of a lecture dem of Alexander Technique. And I was, as you phrased, um, at a plateau. So there were no issues of pain or anything like that, no physical problems that I had any sense of. Um, but I had been practicing a lot, and I had a phenomenal teacher, and I just felt kind of stuck. So this demonstration, uh, John Hennis worked with three different instrumentalists. One was a trumpet player, one was a played a snare drum, and one played violin. He had them all play something very simple, a scale, a drum roll. And he worked with them a little bit hands-on. So at the time, I didn't know what that was, but he looked like he was guiding them or shaping them as they stood and played. He didn't say a word about playing technique or anything like that. And the before and after on each person was kind of astonishing. Each person 
sounded clearer and more focused and more fluid. And it kind of seemed magical, but clearly it was not. So seeing that fast improvement, really in a matter of minutes, on these people, I just thought, well, I I should try that. (laughs) So I did. And I didn't tell anyone except my trumpet teacher, who I checked in with and said I wanted to try this. He was quite familiar with the work. Mr. Chikowitz had invited John to do the class and um, was very supportive. So I took private lessons with, uh, with John for months. And in the beginning, from the very first lesson, it just something felt right. I really didn't know what was going on. He works a little bit hands-on, guiding me, sitting, standing. And I brought my trumpet. I played a little bit. And my playing got steadily better got a little more free. I was calmer internally. Um, and I discovered a few things, like I started sleeping better, but I didn't know that I wasn't sleeping well before. So there were a lot of little things along the way that just uh, improved. And I knew from the first lesson with John that there was something very right about the kind of sensation that I had in the internal balance. And I wanted to do what he was doing. I wanted to teach, but I didn't know what that was. And then I carried on taking lessons for a while. Um, When there was an opportunity to enroll in the class, we were in a trimester system there, I took his class. And then I stayed out in Chicago for a year after undergrad school and continued with Alexander lessons and also studying with um, trumpet with Arnold Jacobs. And... The whole thing led me back to the East, to graduate school. And when I got to New York, after a few months, I found myself rather tense and all of that. When you arrive here, that happens. And I found an Alexander teacher, just by referrals. And I started lessons here. And it just turned out, again, happy accident, that that particular woman was the director of a teacher training course. So... And I didn't even understand anything about that. I just was taking lessons to get better at trumpet, and it was working. And so the, the, at some point, uh, this woman mentioned something about working on this training course, and I said, oh, I, I, I'm interested in that. How do you do it? And so she invited me to come down and observe a class at the training course and the system for applying. You don't really audition like a music school, but you have lessons with different teachers involved. And they they can really assess if you understand the work at some level, if you know what it is. And having had more than 30 lessons, which was the minimum requirement to get in, uh, I was able to start that. And I was able to do it in conjunction with finishing the degree at Manhattan. So I was at Manhattan School in the mornings playing, doing orchestra and lessons and stuff. And then the afternoons, I was in the training course until I finished Manhattan School. And then the actual teacher training course for Alexander is three years. And it's minimum 1,600 hours of training for a qualified teacher. So I was in that for three years, finishing that out. And um, the whole time, still playing and still thinking I would be playing um, playing trumpet and teaching Alexander together. It seemed that could happen. My teacher had been doing it. So 
it did go that way for a while, um, but very organically things started to change. The phone was ringing a little bit more for Alexander, and then I wasn't practicing quite enough, and I was only of modest talent, so I always felt I had to work hard. And at some point, and it did take about close to six years to stop playing, to stop, uh, I put down the horn finally and just said, I'm focused on Alexander. And by that time, I was teaching here at Juilliard and and elsewhere. So that's a rather that's the story. Cool. There are a couple of things I wanted to, to go back to, if that's okay. I know that you said something, and I'm going to misquote you, but something felt right. The changes that you made mm-hmm. physically was it like related to breathing, or was it like was it located anywhere, or was it more just kind of an overall? I guess overall, but yeah, located in our whole system. Um, Breathing was calmer, a little less tense in the neck and shoulders and back, which makes sure that your breathing is calmer. Um, And I was uh, more able to be present. So, um, you know, when, when people describe themselves as tense or, oh, I've, I've had people tell me, I'm so not cut out to be a singer or this or that because I'm so tense. They're describing sensation of themselves from the inside out, and it's not just a shoulder or a leg or something like that. It's really how your energy is out of balance. And so when you learn to uh, regulate your energy, you're balancing tension, and the result is a calmer, more even sensation, just internally walking around. When that's happening, you're less distracted. There's less um, mental noise, and it's a it's a byproduct of being attentive to how you use yourself. You didn't use the word ease, but it, mm-hmm. it makes me think of ease, like just those moments where things work, and we're not even quite sure why sometimes. But um, did you find that that translated or transferred? into pressure situations or on stage with you as well because you had that in the practice room? Absolutely, and ease is exactly the word. Um, the sensation of ease is, is, quite, <laughs> is quite beneficial. And yes, it totally translated into performance. Um, like consciously, like you had to, or it just naturally kind of found I its way? I think both. Um, consciously, what, what you learn in the course of Alexander Lessons is what Alexander referred to as conscious control of yourself. You learn to inhibit or prevent reactions that get in your way. So for example, real common stuff. Um, Let's say I'm working with a violinist and they say, you know, their shoulders get kind of tight or maybe on their bow arm, they they can feel themselves getting tense, particularly in performance, their handshake, something like that. If you are present in yourself, you can inhibit the... I'll call it surge of energy that gets in the way. So your energy goes on high, which is great for performance. You should not be relaxing. You want to have energy. You just want to balance it out. So if there's a little too much energy in the neck and shoulders, you really can regulate that. Your brain, your brain is actually regulating it anyway. It's just a matter of how. So the volume has gone up or the volume goes down. You can very much be in charge of that. And the way you learn in Alexander is uh, kinesthetic. So the teachers teach hands-on. When I have my hands on someone's neck or shoulders, it's to help them sense the levels of energy going through. And when they give themselves a direction, they can feel it change. So 
people can tell themselves to relax or let go. That's very common. This is not, not solo to Alexander technique, but it's rather specific in Alexander in that when you're releasing tension, you're allowing yourself to use what you need. It's different than relaxing and lying on the couch. You're allowing the, the wrong energy to get out of the way so that you can use the right stuff. When you don't have the sensation that, you, that people associate with being nervous, you then don't get a signal that you're nervous. So we often will ask in, in the world of performance psychology and such, well, what are your, the sensations that you have when you're nervous or something on stage when you're excited? Heartbeat goes up, breathing changes, uh, gets shallow, shoulders get tense, neck gets tense. Those are very common responses and really normal. Imagine if that response didn't happen. If you didn't have the sensation of stiffness in your shoulder, you're not getting a signal to your brain that you're nervous or that it's a problem. So if you can start to diminish that, it's, it's amazing. And then you can be more present in performance. Because you're not as distracted by all the physical things that are yes. going on that aren't helpful or, or that seem disruptive. Correct. You're literally not distracted by that voice inside that says, uh-oh, oh no, <laughs> this is trouble. You're in yourself and present. And so I'm, I'm going to be uh, careful to say that being present is not, a dis- not to distract. It's just that you're focused in the right place and therefore there isn't a distraction. You mentioned shaky bow, which I think is is something that's happened for every string player probably and you know soft soft snare drum for percussion and people often ask about that like from the alexander perspective like are there tips that you could offer for shaky bow to to try to address that um in the abstract it's a little bit of a challenge but you know think of it it's a result of something and you could perhaps it's those nervous messages or or question marks in our head Um, that's one level of it. How do you mitigate that? Um, being in a good balance in yourself, a quiet balance. So among those things, when you allow yourself to sense contact with things that are solid around you, first and foremost, the ground. So it's actually a conscious opening of your mind to say, yeah, I can sense the ground. My feet are quiet on the ground. You may begin to feel then that your legs and back start to release tension and you get this sensation that people refer to as grounded or centered. And once that's there, your system is calming. So often the the shaky bow, or as you mentioned really significantly for very quiet percussion playing or quiet anything, it's that there's a tentativeness like walking on ice, thin ice, that takes away from playing with um, authority. So when you are present in yourself and you're constantly releasing your tension outward instead of pulling in and away from the strings or the drum head or something like that, you mitigate that shakiness. It takes practice. This is not something that you think, oh yeah, today's the day of the audition, I need to work on that. Or, oh, I remember we were in Noah's class and talked about that or Alexander class. I'm going to try that now. This is a daily practice it's a way of being and that becomes your default all right well i like that your answer suggests there's no like instant fix or silver bullet and that's it's something that has to be practiced and it's it's a variety of things that all together kind of help you 
yes. deal with that particular issue because because I think I mean even for me like I'm always like I'm always hopeful that there is some life hack or, or performance hack of some kind that's like you know just going to flip a switch and things are better but with with things like shakiness often there just isn't unfortunately it's like well, intonation like you can't just solve intonation you don't overnight. just solve it but because there's been how some history of that being um, a challenge or a matter of interest or concern or however you want to put it and where there's a history it takes a little while to shift those sensations and those um, default places it took time to get the one it takes time to get the other so you, you talked about this presence and being more aware um, of what's happening in the moment but in a, in a productive way I know that with like with the research on choking, if we're too aware about the kind of minutiae of the motor movements involved in executing a skill, that can, in a performance setting anyway, be a little bit disruptive. Um, like how does it transition from like the right, kind, like, you know, that balance between being aware in the right sort of way, because that is important in performance, but but then not being too aware in too many different... Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, how do you... I, I, I do, and it, kind, it comes up in discussion in the Alexander uh, lessons and classes. Um, sometimes in performance, and in sports performance, or and, you know, any high level of performance, if you, as you said, Noah, if you get stuck on minutiae, and you get hyper-focused. It's, it is something that happens. And if you're hyper-focused on one little thing, you're disconnected from the whole of yourself. And the thing with Alexander, when as you are learning it, you're learning through a very holistic approach. So um, if someone comes in an Alexander lesson and they, they say, you know, I'm having this problem with my wrist or something when I play piano or percussion or something, that wrist is connected to the entire person. And so where you can have attention on a certain area, it's sort of like, it's like you're on stage and, and the stage is lit up and there's just a little extra spotlight on an area and you learn to have that and balance it out. This is um, mind-body juggling and so that you actually, you actually don't have to get hyper-focused like that. And I, I couldn't agree more that if you get stuck on the minutiae, you lose track of the rest of you. It's as if, oh my gosh... Uh, my bow is shaking, my wrist is not stable, my hand is tight, and you forget that you have a head and shoulders and a back and legs, and you forget that there's a world around you, and it's it's only that. That's very much, um, you can control that for sure, but it takes a bit of practice to constantly have a holistic sense. It sounds like there's some development of attention control as well, then, in the practice of... Uh, absolutely. Actually, that might be a, a pretty good definition of the work. <laughs> um, there's, you know, there are misconceptions about the work, what it is. Oh, it's about posture or breathing or some specific thing like that. Or um, it's a set of, it's like yoga or exercises, but actually it's behavioral. And in fact, behavioral meaning learning attention skills and attention to yourself internally and externally and constantly balancing that as human beings we react to everything the world around us noise um, internal fear anything you were constantly reacting and this is a with Alexander you're learning in a very slow very quiet way 
to understand how how you as an individual react to something and how you can kind of put yourself on pause and then control that reaction. So this is a whole study of attention and behavior. And it leads into another misconception, which is the sensation that you get then is relaxed. And so people think, oh, it's a relaxation technique or... I mean, I have actually heard here at school people recommend the class to colleagues because they say, oh, yeah, it's really relaxing. It's like a massage you go every week, which kind of turns me a little bit inside out. But I understand it's a description of a sensation. This, in fact, is very much um, dealing with attention and behavior, one's own. Is there a better phrase that you would like people to use in describing it? How do you mean? Uh, so instead of massage or relaxed, like is there another word that kind of captures the sense? Yeah, of- it's learning to be conscious of yourself. And thus being conscious, you can be much more in balance. And I would think balance might be more interesting. I like balance. You know, balanced energy, balance. That's, you know, standing on two feet instead of one when you can is a little more balanced. It's a little easier because you've got two feet to stand on instead of one. Right. <laughs> I mean, are there other misconceptions that, that kind of are pet peeves, perhaps, of yours? Or? <laughs> they just happen, and uh, I raise an eyebrow. The, the posture issue is an interesting one. Um, and, you know, people think, oh, yes, I need to improve posture, and Alexander will do that. Or it's, a seri- it's, it's sort of like exercises to teach how to stand up or sit up straight, which that's a whole world of misconceptions. Um, in fact, it's about the use of yourself, which is much broader. Um, posture seems kind of limiting. We move. We sit, stand, walk, play instruments, run, swim, do all these things. So if you're learning to sort of constantly regulate your energy and your awareness of yourself, that's not posture, that's use of yourself, which, by the way, results in much better posture. And I get it that people say that. I totally get it. But um, it's really much more interesting than that. Posture does sound kind of static, at least in my head. Very static. Um, (laughs) Every now and then, just um, socially, I'll be out with friends or something, and I'm introduced to, you know, this is Lori, she's an Alexander teacher. and And the responses I get range from, what's that? Which is, perfectly fine, to, oh, it's like yoga, I know that. I'm like, no, I've actually never taken a yoga class, so I, I would say no. Um, it's like, oh, it's that breathing thing. Well, yes, breathing improves, and yes, we pay a lot of attention to it, and we'll spend some specific class time here on that, but breathing is an organic part of life. So anything you do that improves the use of yourself will improve your breathing. And if you want to improve breathing, you must improve the use of yourself. You can't just take it as a separate topic. Um, so there's, a, there's quite a few things. And as people are, if, if I'm you know, in a restaurant or a bar situation or something like that or a party, they say the other reaction has something to do with, oh, yes, it's about posture and stand up straight. And then the person looks very uncomfortable trying to stand up straight. <laughs> and... I, all I can do is say, well, something like that. <laughs> Are there any um, like signs or ways of knowing if Alexander Technique is some, other than curiosity, which of course is perfectly um, useful as a motivator too, but, but are there any indications that maybe 
we should look into Alexander? Sure. Um, and curiosity is absolutely a wonderful one. You know, what is that? My friend told me about it. I want to try that. Um, you know, for performers, you're feeling, and I would include people that do public speaking in that group. Um, for performers, if you're finding that you have stage fright issues or that kind of thing, you're trying various uh, ways to deal with it, try the Alexander Technique. You're having chronic aches and pains. Let's say you're um, a pianist and you've had some injury issues over the years and you've had PT, you've had doctors, you've had this and that and have had some relief, but it keeps coming back. For sure, check out the Alexander Technique. If you have um, discomfort, which may or may not be the same as pain, but perhaps you just feel uncomfortable in social situations and you want to find a, an easier way to be, try the Alexander Technique. Um, it, it's really good for anyone who comes with an open mind. There's no physical requirement. I'm asked sometimes, well, is so-and-so too young or too, I'm, I have teachers, uh, students rather that are in their 80s and am I too old? Absolutely not. If you have an open mind and a functioning nervous system, you're, you know, and you're interested, for sure, try lessons. I do recommend whenever possible that private lessons are definitely the way to go. You should be getting very clear hands-on contact from a teacher. Group classes, the larger the group, the less opportunity and the less personal time because teachers will address people individually. Um, group classes are a great introduction. You can start to see what it's about. Uh, if the if the teacher ever asks for a volunteer to do something in a group class, or if you're an introduction lecture you happen to be seeing, raise your hand, let that get get under that person's hand so that you can actually feel what they're talking about. Imagine if you read a book about singing and um, there's all this information about how it should feel when you sing and how breathing should feel. If you don't have that sensation, how do you know if you've if you're even on track. So I think Alexander Technique, you can learn about it and get the principles and ideas from reading books or seeing perhaps a video or something, but it's the one-to-one in-the-moment contact where you really learn, because you, you will learn from yourself from the inside out. It sounds like having a teacher then is a really in- essential. It's pretty essential to get anywhere with it, People will learn, depending on the student, like anything else, we'll, we'll get something out of um, books. And I do recommend a few, P- particularly for the musician audience. There's a terrific one called The Alexander Technique for Musicians, which is wildly sexy title, but um, it says it, and it's very practical. It certainly serves as an underpinning if you're taking lessons or you have done and you want some reminders, fantastic. And it will give you a sense of what to expect. Um, There's another one that's really a good broad view, well stated about Alexander Technique and the education involved, which is called body learning. It's been around for uh, 40, 50 years now, and it's been republished many times by Michael Gelb. Um, But I would look at, I'd certainly look at those. Alexander himself wrote four books, They are a heavy read. One called The Use of the Self, he explains how he 
came about all of this um, as a, an actor losing his voice and exploring how to get his voice back consistently. I would that one is a good, very good one if you're interested in a nice slow read. It's not necessarily for the beach, um, but yeah, you do you do want to be one to one with a teacher. Teachers should be certified that you work with. There's a certifying body called the in America, it's the American Society for the Alexander Technique. In Europe and in Great Britain, the Society for Teachers of the Alexander Technique. Look for that if you're looking at websites for information about teachers. Um, both those organizations have websites that have information. Um, Skype teaching, I'm pretty much not in favor of for Alexander Technique. I think that it's not quite fair to the student. In fact, I've been asked to do that, and the only time I would consider it is if it's somebody that I've worked with extensively, like a couple of years, was calling to say, I'm having some issue, can we try this? I would consider it, but otherwise, I actually won't do it because I just don't th believe it's fair to the student. The reason being they don't get the feedback that they need in the moment? Correct. They don't, get, they don't get their own kinesthetic feedback in the way that you will from, from a teacher who can say, yeah, here's, here's how we can get a better balance with you. If you're mentally telling yourself, release your legs, you're coordinating your neck, back, shoulders, they're, they're going, the teacher facilitates that. And it's through many years of training. Um, again, why you want a certified, qualified teacher. Many of us, even here at Julia, there's many faculty members who've had a lot of lessons and they can totally share information that they've learned and it's incredibly helpful to their students. Um, and they'll recommend go find an Alexander teacher. I can help someone perhaps feel more in balance and more at ease playing their violin or their tuba or something, but I am by no means a violin teacher or a tuba teacher. So it's a similar relationship. Hmm. Are there things that we can, we can do, you know, sitting in orchestra for hours a day or, or that we should be aware of, even sitting at our computer desk or chopping vegetables, you know, in the kitchen? Like, are there things that like a few things that we could be aware of that would be helpful? Yeah, and the, in the question, again, terrific in that you covered all those areas because <laughs> this is about how you use yourself in life. So if you sit in orchestra for hours in the day or chop the vegetables, all, all those things, sit at the computer. Yeah, you might just pause. Let's say you're sitting at a, a computer keyboard, as you are, <laughs> and you pause and just say, well, what am I doing with myself? What? Really pause. Don't try to fix anything. It's observing. Where's my head? Well, it's bent down toward the keyboard. Is that necessary? My shoulders are kind of hunched forward. Hmm. I wonder if that's necessary for typing or holding the trombone. I'm sitting in the orchestra and I've got 104 bars rest because it's Mozart and I'm playing trumpet. <laughs> so instead of spacing out, um, maybe I can pay attention to how I'm sitting. Is the Am I upright? Am I leaned forward? Am I squashing my head into my neck and shoulders? So there's a lot, it's a first level of observing oneself without trying to change anything, to really get clear. 
And if you're tending to be in a sort of a closed, compressed configuration, see what you can do to get more open, literally more physically open. Without strain, just come upright a little bit. If you're hunched down, you know your spine is pulled down and bent forward. Well, you're doing that, so why not try something else? If you're holding your violin in rehearsal and the conductor is talking to the flute section, you can release your neck and shoulders while you're holding the violin and they're talking to some other section. It's just a matter of being mindful about that. Very mindful in action. So definitely observe yourself quietly. Aim for being more open as opposed to closed, more open and spread out as opposed to compressed in yourself. You're sitting in a chair, maybe it doesn't quite fit you. Find a way to get your feet on the ground. Find a way to get more upright. Things like that. I like that question, is it necessary? Is that like a classic Alexander question? Because it's not judgmental, it's not good or bad, but is it necessary functionally for what it is? Is that like I think you would find a lot of Alexander teachers using that kind of language, and I I certainly do. Um, and the work is really non-judgmental. It's a lot of questions, if um, and I think that that's particularly helpful for really for everyone, but performers who tend to judge themselves a lot and be judged by others quite a bit. There's information. Your body is designed to one. You're designed to feel good. Your body's designed to give you information when you don't feel good. Aches, pains, discomfort, ill health. It's telling you something's out of balance. So you pay attention to the signals. You don't beat yourself up. You pay attention to the signals as information. So in the first weeks of class here, one of the things I I begin to encourage everyone is to just simply ask themselves what they're doing. This or that. Something's tensing, you're tensing it, so maybe don't. It's, but it's completely non-judgmental. <laughs> if you're a little stiff and tight, you're not a bad person. You're just stiffening and tightening. <laughs> right. um, and this goes back a little bit to the, the question of orchestral players or sitting at the computer. Are there specific tips that are useful for singers, or is it, is it a lot, though each instrument might have its own particular things, is a lot of it really kind of generalizable to everyone both. Um, There's certainly things particular to patterns that you see with people that play different instruments. Play a viola or a violin involves a bit of a turn or a twist in you, so there's physical patterns that are a little bit specific there. But the consciousness, and for singers as well, it's about being present in yourself. Um, Singers have, um, they are their instrument, so it's almost more important that they're able to be very present in themselves. You can't, you know, put the body away for the rest of the day. So paying attention really throughout the day helps you as a singer as much as anyone else. But yes, there's, we deal in specifics according to need. So with the singers, um, there might be more of a focus on, on aspects of their use. There might be more of a focus on breathing than for the violinist because the breath generates the sound. But it, it's really for everybody, equally. I have to thank Court for this question, but 
What is constructive rest? Ah, that's a good, very, it is a thing you can do. Um, constructive rest is, we have very few things that you might call an exercise in the Alexander world. Um, Alexander was not a fan of mindless exercise, so patterns like that you just do 10 of and then you think I'm good to go. Constructive rest, you're lying on your back on a firm surface, um, a carpeted floor, a yoga mat, like that, and you have some books, something firm to put under your head, and you will have your knees bent, uh, feet on the ground, knees bent. That's the position. So you lie wide awake, lies, um, the mind is working and the body is at rest, so constructively resting. 10, 15 minutes, kind of scanning yourself as you lie there. Again, no judgment, just, okay, I'm lying down. What am I doing? Well, my hands are actually a little tight. My lower back's not quite touching the ground, which is simply information. There's not a requirement that you should have your whole back on the ground or something like that. But what you may find is that there's tensions in you that you're just holding a bit. And you can tell yourself to release without wiggling, changing, stretching, anything. It's really quite, it's largely still. And, and working with mentally through yourself to release tensions, building towards an openness. And because you're getting feedback from the ground, if you release some tension, you start to feel more grounded again. You feel more in touch with the ground. So you use it, in fact. I use the ground as a, a context for where I am. And if I don't have a, se- a full sense of contact, then something is pulling me away. So it's essentially 15 minutes of lying down at rest, being in touch with yourself, eyes open, you're hearing sounds around you. You could have music playing, but I, you know, somebody once said, well, can I read like and do constructive rest? I said, oh, no. <laughs> Because you're focusing on you and you need, you're developing that presence. I highly recommend it for one daily, it's a, it's such a daily mind-body meditation. It's a terrific practice break. Um, it's terrific after travel. Maybe you're flying out for an audition and you got all uncomfortable on a plane because doesn't that happen and you're carrying all your stuff and lie down, reorganize your body. Gravity is a big help with that. Um, if you're doing it as a daily practice, it works wonders to do uh, about 15 minutes of constructive rest on the day of a performance or audition. You learn to sort of mind-body focus and center. And, and for those that are working with breathing, terrific context to be working with breath. So thank you for the question. <laughs> and I get the sense that this should be done not on your bed? No. No. Uh, not that, that it's totally exclusive, but one, even a firm mattress is a bit soft for it because you sink in like you do on a you know, couch or something. You wouldn't, probably wouldn't practice your instrument on a soft, cushy couch because your body doesn't know where it is. Um, also, you just, as you start to release tension and ease, the body, body-mind connection says, ah, I know what this is, and you fall asleep. I highly recommend sleep. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. So it's different. So not on the mattress. Okay. 
way at the beginning today, you mentioned having studied with Arnold Jacobs. I'm not like a huge Arnold Jacobs expert or anything. I've watched some of the videos, I've read a little bit, but any synergy there with some of the things that he was fond of talking about and Alexander and experience? I think there is. I also, I mean, I, I know, I, I studied with him for, for about a half a year and I know his book, The Song in the Wind and his teachings. I could see where some people would question, are they actually connected? Um, Mr. Jacobs, in fact, talked quite a lot about you should be so in the, the sound and the music and having an incredibly clear sense of what you want that you shouldn't be thinking about your body and such. And I get that. Um, if you are someone whose tension responses are interfering with the production of that sound that you want, then I think you want to find out more about yourself. And... I think that he actually was all about being present and using a body really well. He just talked about it in different terms. He was, um, maybe for the audience that isn't familiar with him, he was a tuba player in the Chicago Symphony for many, many years and taught all kinds of wind and brass players and other instrumentalists because he was such a fine musician and educator. And he he talked quite a lot about breath, and there's quite a lot in his studio. There were machines for breathing, and he had a lot of little airbags and things to work with, and so people often associate a lot of that with him, which was true. But when I had lessons with him, um, it was much more about clarity of mind. And as the student and the type of person I am, I could never achieve that if I hadn't have done a lot of Alexander work that help me be more at ease in my whole system in order to be clearer in mind the way he suggested and to take on what he was talking about in terms of the, the science of breath and anatomy. Um, I would add to that something about working with uh, the teachers that, that instrumentalists and singers and other performers have. You know, we, we go to study with amazing people and Often as a, a conservatory student or high school student, that lesson is really important every week. That's For me, it was the whole reason I was in a school was to go to that one lesson. So there's a lot of pressure. And sometimes these are luminous figures in the field. So there's a bit of sort of nervous energy about it. Uh, I found that I, after Alexander lessons or while I was taking them, my learning from my teacher improved exponentially because I was more at ease in myself, and I actually listened to what he was saying. So here's a, something that might be familiar to people. You're in the lesson, you're playing something, something happens along the way, it's, you mess up or something, and the teacher stops and starts to talk about how to produce the sound better or something like that. And in your mind, you're already thinking, yeah, I know what he's saying, I know, I, I mess up, I know. And you're not actually listening anymore to what they're saying. And in fact, you're just about You've just about resumed playing before they even finished speaking. So in fact, you really didn't take in what they said. With Alexander, you can learn to pause and really listen. And when you do, you may find out that those teachers have a lot to say. And when you listen and you take in, you don't have to react immediately. And if you listen and take in what they say, and you think in yourself, ah, well, here's how I do it. And then you take on playing the phrase again or whatever it is, having thought through it, heard it in your head again, 
actually you're going to learn a heck of a lot faster. So being a little more balanced in your body and a little more conscious of the ease you can have and do have will let you learn infinitely better. That might be a good place to wrap up. Well, thank you, Laurie, for taking the time to, to chat.